Man, I just want to let you know, I am pumped up about this series. I am pumped up. I am a technology kind of guy. I love technology if you haven't figured it out already. And some of you may be going, uh-uh. Man, technology. Technology in church? Really, pastor? Are you sure about that? So we're starting screens this week. And when it comes to screens and it comes to technology, I really think a lot of it depends if you like it or don't like it, is how you actually use it or how it's used in your life or maybe how you've seen it be used. And it's interesting because Brian Green, who's the assistant director of ethics at Santa Clara University, they were doing an interview and they were talking about artificial intelligence and really talking about, you know, what are good or bad purposes for technology? And this is what he actually said. He said, a good use of technology is one which improves human physical, mental, spiritual, and moral well-being. It helps people become healthier, more educated, more loving of God and neighbor, and better at making moral decisions. However, a bad technology will do just the opposite. It'll make us sicker, less educated, less loving of others, and worse at making moral decisions. You see, technology often makes actions easier, and we want good technology that will facilitate good actions, not bad technologies that will facilitate bad actions. Like I said, that was from an inter interview that Brian Greene and, and what he had said. And, and so you kind of think about it. How is technology affecting us? How does technology affect us as a community of faith? Is it good technology or is it bad technology or is it a combination of both? And hopefully we're going to be able to answer that question today. You see, because as Christians, we're made for community. We're made to be together with each other. But unfortunately, in today's time, we know way too many people would rather sit behind a screen instead of come and be with us in community. And, you know, so today's society has made it that much more easier for people to hide behind a screen. So with that being said, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. And hey, some of you may actually break out a smartphone and pull up the Bible on your phone. Gee, what a concept, using technology. <laughs> so with that being said, we're going to go ahead and read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. And it says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Heavenly Father, as we take time to dig into your word today, Lord, we just ask that you open up our eyes that we can see what it is you want us to see. Lord, may my words be yours and may you be glorified through it all. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So this passage, it highlights the, the sense of we should be in community. It highlights that important instruction of us continuing to be in a community together and understand that. We were built to not be in life alone. We were built not to be in life alone. Back at the beginning, in the very beginning in Genesis 1, 
You think about it, in Genesis 1, during the time of creation, God is creating everything. He, he's creating, you know, the sun, the stars, the moon, the water, the land, the dry land. He's doing all of this. And each day, it says this, and God saw that it was good. He said that every day in Genesis 1, except for one thing. And that was when he created man. He did not say it was good when he created man. Ironically, in Genesis 2.18, God said this. It is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for the man to be alone. So you see, God said that because he knew that we needed someone like ourselves in order to get along and do life with. We couldn't just do life alone. And, you know, I never really thought about it until I was preparing this message. We're talking about the God who created everything. He created everything. He said everything was good except one thing. Now think about this. Adam was in paradise. He had plenty to do. He was naming all the animals. You know, he had plenty of things to do. But at the same time, God said it was not good for man to be alone. And now the creator of the universe could have created anything, anything at all, to give Adam a companion. Back in the beginning of time, he could have created TV, could have, you know, created HBO, Cinemax, whatever it may have been. Maybe he could have created Xbox or PlayStation or a smartphone and later say, hey, don't worry, Adam, you know, years and years to come, we're going to sell this phone for $2,000 and people are going to buy it. You know, he didn't do any of that. He had the ability to create anything to keep Adam occupied. And he said it was not good for man to be alone, and he created woman to be with Adam. So he created one man and one woman so that they could do life together. But I just think it's interesting. He could have done anything, and too easy today do we all just go like this and look inside of a screen. He could have done any of it. But you, we got to understand that from the beginning of time, God placed this, placed this emptiness in us that can only be filled through community and be filled with someone who is like us, another human being. You know, and as we do this series, like I said, some of you may struggle that, hey, I, I don't have a problem with screens, Pastor, and, and I'm not addicted to them, and, and, and I don't use technology, you know, I'm not into any of this. Well, I got a question for you. How many of y'all came to church in some type of vehicle? Raise your hand. Everybody. Okay, so everyone used technology to come to church. How many of y'all came to church and assumed we'd have electricity? Everybody? Isn't that technology? Just checking. Okay. We had no problem doing worship this morning with the piano. Sound through speakers, overhead projector with uh, words being put on a screen up here. For those up here, having screens up here with words on it, had no problem doing any of that, right? So we use technology, correct? All right. Some of you even broke out your phone to read the Bible when we were doing the reading. So I, I think a lot of it, we use technology on a regular basis. Some of you will actually pull out a piece of paper and a pen and take notes during the service. 
You're using technology each and every day. But see, we don't think of this as technology because this is what we do. We've had this with us this whole time. Think about your job. How has technology made your job easier? Now, I know in some cases, technology has made your job harder. But I think it may have made it harder for the simple fact of maybe it's just because you don't like the change. Maybe you don't want to embrace the technology that's coming. You know, because if you think about it, if it wasn't for backhoes, you'd still be digging ditches with a shovel. That'd be a long time to do some sewer repairs, wouldn't it? <laughs> digging with a shovel. You think about this. How quick can they now take blood pressure, do diagnosis, do all these different things because of upgrades? You know, temperatures used to have to put the thermometer under our tongue. Or use a different kind of thermometer. Now they just got a little thing they point at your forehead, you know, to get a temperature. Or they stick it inside an ear. You know, technology has come a long way. And like I said, with technology, it may be a matter of, okay, well, this is good and this is bad. But I think a lot of times it depends on what it's used for or how it's used. And unfortunately, there are times that technology is used wrong. You know, and I really don't think that God hates technology. I don't think he's like the, the movie, The Water Boy's Mom. It's of the devil because it's not all of the devil. Because you think about this, if it wasn't for technology, how many of you carry a Bible with you? If it wasn't for the printing press, would you be able to hold a Bible in your hand? No, wouldn't be able to hold one in your hand. We have apps on our phone that we can read the Bible with. And in fact, because of technology, the church can reach more places faster with the gospel of Jesus Christ now than ever any time in history. We can reach places that have never been reached before because of technology. So therefore, I don't, I don't think that God would say that technology is bad. I think he would say some of the ways that we use technology are bad. You know, and so we're, we're taking this news faster and faster around the world. But despite all the advances made in technology, everything, there, there's a lot of darkness in this world. And I could probably make the argument that we can see the darkness in the world now because of technology, because it's in our face, where maybe we couldn't see it as quick before and we'd have to read it in a newspaper or we'd have to read it at another time. But, but I still think it's, it's there and it's always been there. It's always been here in the world. And, and you and I are living in a time when things happen so quickly Things are constantly happening, and so quickly, despite all of the advances in technology, everything technology can do, there's one problem that technology will never be able to solve, and we're going to talk about that today. You see, we're made for community. We're made to be inside a community. We're made to be face-to-face. -face. We're, we're made to have someone in our life that we can communicate with, that we can talk with, that we can spend time together with, and technology will never, ever replace that. Technology is not going to be able to replace it. And I don't care how much time you spend on FaceTime, how much time you may do Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, or tweet, whatever it may be, it's not going to replace that face-to-face -face conversation that we're able to have. 
and it's never going to take that place, and it's never going to fill that hole that's in our heart for community. You know, and I think we all agree that we are living in a time when we have never been more connected to each other and never been more connected to the rest of the world. Simply pick up your phone and you're connected all over the place. Everything is there. And we need to understand that technology in itself is immoral. It's got no morality to it whatsoever. So it's not good and it's not bad. It depends on how you use it. And that's what it comes down to. You think about it. For example, with Facebook, how many of you are connected to friends and family that if it wasn't for Facebook, you'd never see or hear from? Multiple, right? We know. And Facebook has actually done some good things. There's people who have actually met through different groups and stuff on Facebook that actually fell in love and ended up getting married. Okay? Now, but at the same time, we do know that uh, Facebook's been accused of perpetrating chaos, violence. The amount of misinformation that's out on Facebook is unbelievable. So it all depends on how you use it, whether it's good or bad. And we need to recognize that screens in of themselves are not evil. They're not evil and they're not bad for us. Um, they, they can help us and help us in our relationship with God. They can help us with our relationship with others. And if we're in that right relationship with God, our use of technology will be used for a right way also. So think about this. And, and it's nothing new for technology. Think about Socrates. We've all read something that Socrates has said. Socrates was living in a time where it was going from a strictly oral presentation of everything to the written word. So they wanted to start writing things down in books and on tablets, and Socrates was against it. He was staunchly against writing anything down. And historians say that Socrates actually never wrote anything down himself. Think about that. He was that much against it, he never wrote anything down himself. He was so adept at quoting lines from different plays, from different people and everything else. And his, his whole mindset was this. If I can't talk to the author, if I can't have that conversation with that person, I'm never going to learn it in a book and no one's ever going to learn anything from a written book. Think about that. Way back then, there was a problem, but how many of us have learned by reading books? We're looking at different manuals. You know, it's out there. But Socrates was so strongly against it back then, and some of us are so strongly against it today. You know, as we look at these modern tendencies, people are spending more time on screens, whether it's through gaming online, um, whether it's through watching television, movies, social media, everyone's spending more and more time on screens nowadays. And we can't deny that, that it consumes us and, and that it really consumes a lot of people. And like I said, you may feel, well, pastor, that's not me. But maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a loved one that you see consumed by a screen all the time. And, and we just need to open up and realize that we're all built for community. And yes, as much as you can foster a community online, it's never going to replace that valuable face-to-face -face community time when we get to spend time together. You know, and there's real-life interactions are a huge component 
to actual learning and understanding. We can learn and understand from each other. You think about it, it's easy to convey what you might think across a keyboard. So easy just to type something. Yeah, I, I, I play Xbox. I am an online gamer. And, and the people that you see online gaming, it's amazing what they type and what they say because they're not face-to-face -face with somebody. And when you're online playing a video game and you can tell this kid's about 14 or 15 years old and the words that are coming out of his mouth and what he says and you just kind of laugh, you're like, dude, you're lucky you're not in my face. I grab a switch. <laughs> and maybe your mom needs to grab a switch. But everyone will get so hyped up and they get so powerful behind this keyboard because they can do and say whatever they want. And you think about it, you, they can be this tough warrior on a multiplayer game. Well, you can just be a Snapchat vixen. Whatever it is you want to do, you can do it behind a keyboard. You can be a keyboard activist spelling, you know, sending out all these well-read opinions. And it's great that you're sending out all these opinions on, I'm an activist for this or this or this. But what are you actually doing on the ground? How many people will sit behind a keyboard, I stand for this, this, and this, but then no, not do anything to try and change it. And they won't do anything on the ground to try and make a change, but yet it's easy to spew it over a keyboard. So it's something we need to watch out for. We can earn an Instagram verification. We can become a top fan on Facebook and never actually know who it is we're a top fan of. Never met them face to face. And they may have never met you, but yeah, they're a top fan on your page. You're like, who is this person? I got over 800 friends on Facebook. You know how many of them I really know? <laughs> Maybe 100, 150. And meanwhile, I see people, two, 3,000 followers on Facebook, and I'm like, why? You can't meet with them. You can't talk with them. You can't have a face-to-face. -face. But people will do it, and unfortunately, that's the way life is going in today. You know, the internet provides us valuable tools. There's no doubt. We can tutor our kids. We can learn how to fix a washing machine. We can learn all different Bible studies. You can pull Bible studies galore off the computer. You can get them for free, pull them, and do them. But nothing's ever going to replace that face-to-face. -face. Nothing's going to replace that time that we have together. And, and all the fame of games and the internet and all that stuff will never take place of a face-to-face -face community. And the author of Hebrews warns us about that. The author of Hebrews warns the reader not to forsake meeting together, that we should come together. And it's not because of us sitting in church, singing a few songs, hearing a sermon is the key to preserving our faith. Because that's not it, it's that community time. That time to be able to come together face to face and speak to somebody. It warns us not to isolate against the, uh, from one another. And it's interesting because while I was looking at this, I saw a thing from the University of Pittsburgh. They actually did a study that was published in the uh, American Journal of Preventive Medicine. And what had happened is these doctors were conducting this study and they were looking at what affects social media and what affects uh, technology was having on people's lives. And the reason they came together to start doing this is because they were actually seeing in the lives of their own practices, patients coming in that were having issues because of social media and technology. 
And so when they got together, they realized, you know, the isolation was at an epidemic level. And they found that those who use social media for more than two hours a day are three times more likely to feel socially isolated. Think about that. On there, looking, liking pages, hitting love button, doing all that stuff, and they feel socially isolated. Yeah, at the root of these findings, the problem is that it's so prevalent in our culture is the fact that they spend, we spend too much time on screens, and that time on screens is actually replacing face-to-face contact. It's actually replacing that human interaction which we are called to have. You know, come to find out technology, as good as it is, it's not taking the place of community. It's actually making people be farther and farther apart from actual community. However, with all the technology and all the friends and all the followers on social media, we've been isolated, we're more lonelier, and we're more depressed than we've ever been before. And if you look at the younger generation, it's even more prevalent because there's a higher suicide rate because so-and-so got more likes on Facebook than I did. Because that's how bad screens can be and that's how bad technology can be. However, like we said, it can be used for good. Screens can be used for good. God has designed our faith in such a way that we can't get rid of that personal interaction so we have to continue to interact together. But I will tell you as we go through this series, by week four, I'm going to let you know some stuff that screens are really, really good for. So you got to stick around till week four. You got to stick around. But, but you think about this, and, and through all this, even with the screens, you know, Jesus even spoke to his disciples about community, about the importance of having, being in community. And in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, he actually says this. I give you a new command, love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And you think about it, that's a bold statement. It's a very bold statement that Jesus is making because back in Leviticus, God actually says, love one another as you love yourself. But then Jesus says, love one another just as I have loved you. You think maybe that raises the bar a little bit? Think about his disciples. They'd been with him for three years. They know what his love for them is about. Think about us in our own life. If we're to love as Jesus loved, how much did he love you? Do we actually look at his love when when he says love one another as that love that pursued you? It pursued you. It came after you. Everything you were trying to do, he was there. God, he, Jesus shows up in your lowest of lows. In your darkness, he's there. He's going to meet you right where you're at. In your highest of highs, on your, on your mountaintops, his love's going to be right there. And you know when we probably feel his love the most? Just every day in the mundane part of every day of our life is when we feel him. You know, he really raised the bar and and everything he did, it's calling for the disciples to be in a community and to love one another. To love one another as Jesus loved us. And you know, it's interesting because I always get frustrated when when I see someone, especially someone who's a believer, who kind of looks at somebody 
because of their circumstances or maybe the way they're dressed or maybe the way they look because maybe they don't look and act like we do. And they begin to look at them. And, and every time I see it, in the, see it or I hear someone talking down to someone who's supposed to be a Christian, it, it really makes me wonder if maybe that's the reason some believers never come to faith. Do some believers never come to faith because we don't love one another the way we should? You think about that. Are we the reason that non-believers don't become believers? Are we the reason that non-believers won't come into a church because when they come into a church the way that they're looked at? I go, oh, do you see the way they're dressed? Man, do you see the tattoos on their arms? I can't believe they came in here like that. But see, us as believers, we're supposed to love one another the way Christ loved us. Do we really show that? Do we really show that in our community that would make someone go, man, I want what they got? Or are they more like, man, I'm glad I ain't part of that? What do people see when they see us together as a community? Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Do people know that we're his disciples because of the love that we have for one another? And if not, what can we do about it? And I think we forget it. It's the community not settling for a screen, but being with one another is how we can show that love. How we can show that love for one another. And today's scripture calls us to persevere and tells us that we can. It tells us that we can persevere in our faith and we need to look towards ways to motivate one another to love and to good works. And you can't do that through a screen. You can't do that just through a computer or through a Facebook. You know, it takes that personal interaction. And we can't neglect meeting together. And we have to encourage one another because we know we don't have much time left until the day the Lord comes. How much time do we have left to... Let people know about our love. And more importantly, let people know about the love that Jesus had for us. Look in the book of Revelation. Every day you walk outside. Okay, what page are we on today? Because it's getting closer and closer. But we need to love one another and continue to be in community. And nothing will ever replace, nothing will ever replace people who know us. Nothing will ever replace people who can stand in front of us and care for us and see us in our brokenness and be there for us in our brokenness. Nothing will ever take the place of sitting across from someone who you know and who's close enough to see through your facade, see behind the mask you're trying to put up. Nothing will ever take place of being loved in our brokenness and having someone there to triumph in our victories. Triumphing in victory over a Facebook really means nothing. Yay, team. But when you can get in someone's face and they're extremely excited about a victory you had in your life, or someone is there to pray for you and be there for you in your brokenness, nothing can ever replace that. And each one of us can probably think of a time when, when we were broken and we had someone right there to walk through that storm with us and how much better it felt because we had someone by our side. Well, when we had that victory, maybe it was a child born or just a victory, overcoming something in our life, having them brothers and sisters that celebrate them victories with us. 
Technology will never be able to replace that. We'll never be able to replace that time we fit, that we spend together. And, and understand that as God's, God works through the church to refine, to encourage, and that we should be supporting one another. Screens aren't the enemy. Screens are not the enemy, but Satan is. And I believe Satan is using screens as a way to distract us from investing in others or allowing others to invest in us because it's too easy to get behind a screen. And I think it's one of the greatest tools that Satan's using nowadays to attack us. Satan's using that temptation of screens to cause us people to miss out on community, miss out on meeting together. And, you know, it's interesting, as I was doing this, I come across some pictures. And we put it together in a little video and put some music behind it. And even though we don't, we're not going to know the people in this video, I think some of us are going to be able to relate to some of these pictures. And maybe if you can't relate on a personal level to it, maybe you'll see a family member or a friend that's in one of these pictures. Hey, Micah, can you show that video? Like I said, we don't know the people who are in there. But maybe one of them situations is us. And maybe if it's not you, it's a family member. When I showed this video to Patty, she, she made a comment, well, heck, that's us. <laughs> the couple sitting on the couch. She's at one end. The guy's at the other. Only difference was I normally have an Xbox controller in my hand. And she's over here playing Scrabble with friends. But it's a reality check that that was us. And one of the things I'll tell you is as, as Patty and I in our relationship, we dialogue daily. We have them conversations each day. 
we date weekly. I, we still go on a date because that's what got us where we were at to be married and, and live happily ever after. So we're not going to ever stop doing that. And late at night, as we start to wind down, we end up like the people on that screen. But how many times do you get stuck like that? How many times, think about it, sitting in a restaurant, you look over there and everyone's looking at their screen and they're not having a conversation. And maybe you've been in the same place where sometimes we need to just take them screens and put them down. Put them down because nothing will ever replace that face-to-face conversation. Nothing will ever replace what God has set inside of each one of us. And that is that community, that face-to-face conversation that we should have with each other. As followers of Jesus, we should be different. And it's a battle that we're going to fight the rest of our lives. As technology gets more and more, we're still going to continue to fight it more and more. Artificial intelligence doing more and more, we're going to have to fight more and more for people to be able to see face to face. It's not going to go away. Trust me, it's not going to go away. But how we use it for good can make all the difference in the world. So I want to encourage you. If you you saw yourself as a couple up there, say, man, I need to fix that. Take the time with your husband, your wife, your significant other like you should be. Don't get caught behind the screen. See, because no one can, you can never truly see what's in someone's eyes through a text message. You definitely can't talk with someone and, and give them some type of discipline or affirmation with love through an email. It'll never come across that way. Face-to-face communication. Because some people text using all caps. And I'm like, why are you yelling at me? (laughs) Because you can't see what a text message says. You can't tell what an email says. It will never replace one-on-one have that conversation. Even over the phone, you can't see body language. And things can get taken out of context. Take time with the ones that you love to spend that face-to-face time together. Don't let it go away. It's becoming way too easy now over the last year and a half, almost two years, for people to avoid each other. We can still see each other. We may not be able to get as close as we used to get to each other but we can still get close enough to see what's real and have them conversations. The Lord called us to be in community for us to be with people in this life. That's what we're called to be. And maybe you you find yourself stuck behind a screen. Maybe you find yourself just, you know, this is how I do life. It's time to disconnect the screen and reconnect with people in your life. Reconnect with Jesus. Reconnect with your family, your friends, your loved ones. Reconnect with everyone. Like I said, do it safe. You know, still got COVID out there, the new Delta variant. We still need to be safe, but it doesn't mean we can't have face-to-face conversations from six foot away. Be smart. 
but don't get stuck behind a screen. And as we reconnect, maybe it is just coming up here and saying, Lord, I need to reconnect. I've been using a screen as an excuse for too long. Or maybe a screen is interrupting family life and causing conflict inside your family or inside relationships. Maybe you just need to come up and ask God, give me the strength to put this screen down. Put it down so that I can have them conversations and be a part of a community. And if you got a problem with loving each other the way Jesus loved us, you definitely need to come up here. Because that's how we're called to love. We're called to be so in love the way Jesus was so in love with us that people want what we have. And I think we chase people away because we don't love that way. So I don't know what it is. Maybe you just need to come up and give it to God today. Maybe you just need some prayer. I'll be off to the side if you need prayer. Whatever it is, you know it and he knows it. Come up and give it to him. Release the screens. Release that bad technology and let's use it for good. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you've built inside of us this sense of urgency and this sense of needing to be with people like us, to be with other human beings, Lord, that we can't get stuck behind a TV or a smartphone or a computer. And Lord, that we need to communicate face to face. Lord, you've put this inside of us and may we continually seek it with everyone we come in contact with. That we may be able to show that love that you showed for us. Despite who we are, you loved us. And Lord, that we can show that love for others and be a reason for people to come to you instead of a reason for people to run away. Lord, I ask that you continue to be with us throughout this week. And may we glorify you in all we do and make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.